Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedan, founder and CEO of Debian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm your host, Christopher Derian, and today we have Drew Blumenthal with us, who is the founder and CEO of Digital Drew CEM, which is a digital marketing agency. Drew, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Christopher? Thank you so much for having me. I am blessed, and it is such a pleasure having you on the show. We're going to talk about so many things in regards to the digital age, about marketing, and really how to stand out in the marketplace as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur and beyond. But before doing so, Drew, I gave a small introduction of who you are and what you do. Do you mind unpacking that a bit more for our viewers and listeners? Yeah. So I am what I consider a full service digital marketing and advertising agency and specialist, meaning that can range anything from search. So how do you rank organically? How do you run paid search ads? It includes what to put on your social media. So Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, things like that. Um, and just overall, what should your website look like, landing pages? So it's anything digital. So that's kind of where I consider my sweet spot being. Okay, that's beautiful. Because as you know, we, there's a lot of people, if not everybody at this point, that is on these social platforms, especially as entrepreneurs. And the ones that were kind of delaying that process had no choice but to go on it in a very intense way during the pandemic. So now everybody in regards to business is not only on all these social platforms, but is utilizing it for the advantage of their business. Now, let's talk about what are some tricks or some habits or some methodologies that you could give to your clients or our listeners over here for them to stand out even more in a marketplace using these platforms. What would you say to that, first of all? I mean, number one is consistency. So if you are not really posting a few times a week, like if you go in once a month or things like that, like it is going to put you behind. One, in terms of the algorithm being able to show what you're posting. And number two is you're not going to build an audience and a following. The reality is someone's not going to just see a post most of the time and just drop you a bunch of money or start going to your business. Like the reality is there's a lot of consistency involved. So that's number one is like, it's a long-term game. It's something that you need to consistently be doing. And it's not just, I feel like doing it today. I mean, there's a lot of tools. There's a lot of resources that can help you with the consistency. So like, for example, there are scheduling tools available. So you could use a tool such as Buffer, for example, which allows you to schedule posts ahead of time. So you could sit there, say, on a day that you have off or a day that you have slow time and even schedule all the stuff ahead of time yourself. Or like I said, a lot of agencies, including myself, use tools like that. So that way there is no gap in posting. There's no gap in publishing and consistency. 
So that's number one. And number two is really making sure that the creative is strong and it doesn't need to be you pay somebody several thousand dollars a month to make images and videos for you. But there are, again, tools like Canva that is free. There are resources you could find on a cheaper scale, even like Upwork or Fiverr or freelance tools that can really help you to have the right content, even if you're not a graphic designer. I love that. I love the fact that you just mentioned a couple of those tools because to be quite honest, a couple of my uh, colleagues uh, within my business use Canva and I have a graphic designer and editor that does all his stuff on the bigger platforms. But sometimes when I get it from one that was on Canva and the other one that has all the expertise, I look at it and I'm like, the result is like very similar, if not the same. And one has so much more backing and studying. So right now technology has brought it that it's very accessible and almost zero friction for people to figure out, especially when you're starting off, you don't necessarily need to hire people, but in the back end you do want, but even in the beginning, you'll be able to get the same quality. Drew, we kind of dived into the aspect of where we're at with the marketplace. And there's a lot more we're going to talk about that, but you mind unpacking a bit. How did you end up in this industry? Why did you see that there is a value for you to be playing in this industry and talk about your background in regards to the marketing world? Yeah. So I really started first, I mean, I knew I wanted to do marketing, like I majored in marketing in college, I went out as a marketing major, like this is what I wanted to do. But then I also wanted to move to New York City. So then I wanted to work for large ad agencies in New York. And actually how I got into the space was, I literally would wake up at 5am every day, my junior and senior year, and message people on LinkedIn to just get my resume even to the right person. So that's honestly how I was able to get my first job in digital marketing was literally somebody who I connected with on LinkedIn forwarded my resume to uh, the HR person. And that's how I got all my interviews. And really there, I worked for two large ad agencies. I learned a lot. I'm really glad that I did it, but I always had that, entrepreneurial like kind of free spirit and like that really was like when I went off on my own in the beginning it was hard like I started out with pretty much I think two clients and that's all I had and then I really had to build myself up over several years and it's kind of like once you get that traction it becomes a lot easier but in the beginning it's really hard because you need kind of the social proof in order for people to believe you. And especially like whether you're trying to rank on Google, whether you're trying to rank on social media platforms, whether you're even on third-party tools, say on Upwork or Fiverr, or any of these platforms, you don't get any visibility until you have credibility. So it's kind of like, how do you get the chicken before the egg kind of thing? And that's really where... I think a lot of businesses and a lot of people struggle with the online world is that when you're sitting on top of the world with 500 reviews, it's very, very easy, whether you're a restaurant, whether you're a software company, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're anything to be able to get more and more. And that's where there's exponential growth. But how do you get to the point of nothing to that place where you start to see that accelerated growth? without raising like series A or series B funding. And that's the problem. 
Okay. I, I love what you just mentioned over there. You kind of correlated two things in regards to the story that uh, you lived in regards to you were passionate about marketing. That's what you studied. You woke up 5 a.m. I love the, the the ideology of the hard work pays off. And you know you just gave your CVs to people, connected on LinkedIn, and finally ended up working in a couple of uh, companies. And then from there, listened to that entrepreneurial voice within you and you went into it. Now, you highlighted a question, which I actually want you to answer your own question, which is, it's easy once you have made it. You're a mature business. You have over 500 reviews on uh, Google from whatever industry. It's easy to get an influx of clients in that regard. Now, Grant, let me put easy in air quotes over here because I'm sure anybody that's in that position has put in the work. Now, you're saying, how right. do we go from zero to that point? So what would you answer to your own question in that regards? How do you go about it? How do you structure and how do you help your clients to go about that? And how are you doing it for your personal business as well? Right. I mean, some of it is luck, but other of it is like you could start doing projects for friends and family. You could start doing projects, reach out to old contacts, old people that maybe were you went to college with. Like there's ways to go about it where you can get your first projects from people that already know you or even say to people that are in your network already, hey, I'm starting this business or hey, I'm starting to scale this business. And I really need to start utilizing my skills. Can you let me work for you either for a discounted rate or let me do an audit or let me prove to you that I'm worth it to do the job? And the reality is once you can prove yourself to do that job, then you're really able to be able to scale from there and get the reviews, get the social proof, get the everything and then really exponentially grow from there. But it's like that beginning part. So here's another story that kind of goes with this. Um, so I was on Upwork and I'm still on Upwork, but there were like three months that I joined it because I saw all their TV commercials. I got their Spotify ads. I'm like, this platform is legitimate. I really want to get business from it. And I sat there and was like so frustrated for like three months where it's just like, Nobody was contacting me. Nobody was reaching out to me. I'm like, man, why is this not working? I was reading blog article after blog article. And then finally, and this is where I say lock because this young girl literally went to my page and then hired me. And she's like, yeah, I found you on page 20, but your video looked nice. And I wanted to give you a chance. And it's just like, it was after her that I got a second job like two weeks later. And then it was like job after job after that. And it was kind of like the same thing. It's like the algorithm was able to pick up on me because a lot of these platforms, they want to get paid too. So it's like, whether you're trying to rank on Google, whether you're trying to show on social media, like all these platforms are out there to make a profit. So it's like you have to make them profitable for them to serve you. So if you're new and you're fighting in a competitive space, if you're not getting any traction, a lot of it is that you're not giving them revenue and you're not giving them engagement. So like, for example, if you're trying to get more, say, even views on social media, if you're not getting people to really engage, like like, share, comment, spend time you're not going to increase your rankings really because there's no engagement and they make money based on serving ads. So like, for example, if you want to talk about Facebook or Instagram, 
they literally get paid when somebody sees an ad. So if they spend time viewing your ad, if they spend time engaging on it, A, the advertiser then wants to spend more money because they're making money. But B, if that impression is served, then they get paid. So it's like you have to serve whatever platform digitally, whether it be engagement or if you're on a platform, give them money for them to want to like serve you more. So it's kind of a trade-off the way that I see it in terms of if you want to get more out of it, you have to give more than you're getting. And that's kind of like the idea of reciprocity. I love that ideology. You just explained the reciprocity aspect of the platform, understanding how they make money, which as you mentioned, most of it is through ads and beyond. Now, the main thing that I want to ask you over here is that we have left the information age and now we're in the attention age, right? Everybody has the information at the tip of their fingers with the smartphones, everything on social and beyond, but now it's how we stand out. So my question is, how do you stand out so that the algorithm can see the value and you could bring a reciprocity for them in regards to people watching their ads and beyond. So what would you speak to that? Is it through understanding which algorithm is pushing more with the different platforms? Is it X, Y, and Z? Because currently in my business, uh, I'm a professional speaker and coach as the audience knows, and I'm blessed to have a team under me. I have a full-time editor and uh, uh, a graphic designer, as well as colleagues that do all these things. So I have a team putting out content and I put out literally one or two original contents on all of my social platforms. And I utilize that, let's say a video or a reel on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, as well as on TikTok. And then we reutilize that for blog posts, short term, uh, short video, long videos, uh, in letters, whatever the case is. But how do we utilize that in regards to making it more profitable for the companies and the algorithms? And is it knowing maybe which algorithm is popping for this month? And then you see, oh, this one's not doing it, doing it somewhere else. Right. So it is literally going and sitting through the algorithm. So like, for example, on Instagram, they give analytics where you're able to see what your top posts are. So it's like analyzing what posts are getting honestly the most engagement. So like, for example, on Instagram, every single month on the first of the month, I produce like this content calendar. So it's like a content calendar of like, here are the posts that you should do every single day for the next 30 days or 31 days or whatever, how long the month is. And it's like, I've been able to see how many likes, how many shares, how many comments and on that. And I'm able to see like it consistently produces engagement. So then I'm producing it again every single month because I'm seeing that. Or you could see the reverse and see like, okay, this post did not get the same amount of reach because the engagement was lower. So I need to do less of this. So it's really being able to read what the analytics are showing and telling you. And every business is different. So it's not to say five likes is good and one like is bad. It's more of the idea of like, you need to compare and benchmark yourself because you're not going to just all of a sudden go viral like it can happen but it's very very rare and like you shouldn't go into it with the expectation of i'm gonna get a viral post it's more of 
let me test the content. Let me benchmark what my averages are and see what's really popping the most for me. And then make that your benchmark and then trying to make more content that's relevant based on like what is actually working on that. So I love the fact that you kind of changed the perception of understanding it from your benchmark and not the idea of necessarily the virality, which like you said, can happen, but not something you should bank on because it's extremely rare. But even with that in itself, the social structure of the algorithm changes. Like today, recording this podcast on March 30th, 2023, the Instagram reels are not popping as much as I would say four, five, six months ago. And I'm seeing it with my team, right? So you have to be aware of that aspect as well. And in regards to this thing of understanding like the growth and beyond, what would you speak to, not the difference, but the utilization of organic growth versus paid growth? Like once again, if we talk about Instagram that clearly, and this is not only just me saying it, like specialists in the industry from Gary Vee and beyond are saying Instagram is taking a solid step back in regards to the organic growth. And even TikTok, where before the organic growth was like almost crazy and you didn't need to be very creative to do so is now taking a step back. So what would you suggest or mention or strategize in that regards? I mean, don't ever put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, I do think you need to still do organic. Like you still need to have the posts up there. One from, say you ever meet someone, say you're running ads, say anyone learns about you, like they're going to check your social media as proof of concept like to learn about you to see how credible you are i mean paid you can run and scale very very quickly if you have the right conversion and you're able to convert and because you're paying per click your traffic is proportionate to the amount that you're spending but organically if you're able to build that following and you're able to show that social proof over time, it ends up paying off. So it's like, it's a long term strategy. And the reality is like, when I see like the path that somebody takes to book a meeting with me, for example, there's times where I see somebody literally visits 10 channels before they actually book that meeting. Like, if you actually go into Google Analytics, which is a free tool that I highly recommend everyone use, you're able to see the path to conversions if you set up your conversion tracking. And it's fascinating sometimes to see how many times it takes somebody to actually do an action. Like I've seen sometimes it takes someone 10, 20 touch points sometimes. And that's because yeah. if somebody's really doing their homework, they're really looking at everything to try and make the best decision. Another thing that I always that I loved pointing out to you is most people are not going to give you direct feedback of like what convinced somebody to book a meeting or to buy from you. But all the time, people tell me that I have video testimonials on my website and they're genuinely recorded from clients that I've worked with for a long time. And so many people tell me those video testimonials is what sold me. So mm -hmm. it's like most people aren't going to flat out say like this channel is what sold me or this what this is what sold me, but it's really good to look at those pathways to be able to say, this is kind of a consumer journey. So it's like, if you're not there, you're going to realize it over time that I'm not posting on social media. So when I'm reaching out to people or people are learning about me and they're not seeing anything there, 
they're not excited to work with me or they're not excited to buy from me and they don't trust me. So it's still organic, whether you have five likes on it or you have 500, there's still value in doing it and doing it properly to help in your conversion path in ways that you might not even be able to quantify. I love what you just answered uh, there, Drew, because you're absolutely right, especially if you're in a high ticket uh, sales product service or anything. I estimate for me in my executive uh, one-on-one coaching, my group coaching, my academy, me as a speaker for Fortune 500 companies, um, anywhere between 15 to 20 plus times of contacts before getting a transaction done with that client. And a contact is they saw my post, they saw a blog, I messaged them, they booked on my Calendly, we went back and forth on emails, all those are contacts. And it has to be positive before getting to the last point of like, hey, yes, I bought or not. And there's a lot of subconscious bias that gets created when they continually see you. And what I've noticed as well, Drew, and you could kind of attest to this or not, a lot of people see what you're doing within the network that you might have, and they don't necessarily comment, they don't like, but they see it. And I see that when I go networking in physical places and people are like, oh yeah, I saw this that you did and that that you did. And I'm like, man, these people, I don't even know that they follow me. I haven't seen any of their likes, but they mm-hmm. see, right? And it's that slow grind ideology that I think is important to understand and have in balance. Drew, I'm going to do a 180 here and ask you kind of a, a different question here. You kind of alluded to the fact that you live in uh, Manhattan and it, it was one of your dreams. And we had actually uh, spoke about it slightly before hitting the record button on this podcast. And I want to ask you this question because there's a lot of people that have this aura or understanding about Manhattan, New York in itself. I'm a huge fan. Being from Montreal, I have family down there and I go uh, several times a year and I truly love the energy there. I want you to tell me what is your favorite thing about Manhattan and what's the thing that you hate the most about Manhattan? I mean, the thing that I love the most is the shopping. <laughs> that was literally what I moved to Manhattan for was to be able to shop at Bloomingdale's and Saks and the private department stores. So that was literally, I watched Sex in the City as a child and been like, I want to be able to do that. And it is pretty cool. Like they're, are sometimes I go into these dressing rooms and they're bigger than my apartment. And like that, yeah, that is like my favorite thing about Manhattan. I guess the least favorite thing, I mean, it's hard to really say, but sometimes it's like when you're really tired or you're just like not in a good mood, getting in a crowded elevator is the worst. So... And I have no choice because I live on a on the tenth floor. So it's like if I want to go up or down, I have to go up and down an elevator. And sometimes I even have to wait like ten minutes for an elevator, and then literally shove myself in where there's strollers in there, there's dogs in there, there's sick people. Like there's just so that to me is like the part of Manhattan that I'm like, oh, it's so annoying sometimes that you just want to just go home and go into your bed and just not have to talk or deal with people. And then you have to go through the elevator to get there. 
Drew, I mean, for, for our listeners that are not watching this, the whole time that Drew was talking about the thing he loves the most and the thing that he hates the most about Manhattan, I was just laughing and smiling because it is so true in regards to that reality, right? Such a beautiful place. There's great opportunities, but there's a lot of people too. And there are days like anybody, you could be an extrovert or introvert or even an ambivert or wherever you are within that spectrum. And there are days you just... You want to be, you know, in your own little bubble and having a lot of people around you uh, kind of gets you out of that. Now, the thing that you mentioned about uh, Sex and the City is just amazing in itself. Uh, I'm a huge fan of fashion as well. Actually, one of my friends from New York recently told me to get into uh, Sex and the City uh, because I had never watched it. And I'm a huge fan of Emily in Paris, which is actually the same uh, producer and writer. Yeah, Dan Star. Star. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. And she's like, no, watch it, watch it. You'll like it. So I watched the whole series in itself. So I definitely understand that aspect of the fashion and the shopping life of uh, these uh, haute couture uh, clothing and brands in New York City. So I, I love the fact that you answered that. Drew, I have... Two last questions because I want to be respectful for your time here. My last one is, or my before last one is, I truly believe that we learn from our failures sometimes more than our successes, but we don't have to only learn from our own failures. We can learn from other people's failures or difficulties as well. So my question to you, Drew, is what is something right now that you are in parentheses failing at, having a hard time, or lacking some optimization within your business, and how do you go about changing that right now? So the biggest challenge that I'm having right now is increasing the number of leads that I'm getting per week. Mm. And that's really where for me to scale, to go to the next level is what I'm looking to do is have my calendar booked to the point where I need to hire a sales team. And that's what I'm really working on. And the reality is like, I am tackling it from many different angles so there's obviously like I'm in the digital space. So I do SEO, I do paid ads, I do listings on different websites. I do LinkedIn marketing. Like there's so many different things that I'm doing to try and tackle it. But the reality is, is there's no silver bullet. Like there's no one answer that's going to magically get me a hundred leads a day, unless I wanted to spend a hundred thousand dollars a day on ads. But everything together is coming together. Like I'm looking at the analytics, I'm tracking the numbers. Like that's the other thing too, is whatever problem that you're having, it all comes down to numbers in a certain way, shape or form. It might not be as direct of, I need more leads. So I need more traffic going on my website. I need more bookings with this hard number. But it's like so many problems do come down to the numbers and the optics of those numbers that really can help you to get to the next level. And it's also like when you have problems like that, that are like macro problems, it's not a simple solution to really solve it. And you're not going to also wake up one day and be like, my problem is solved. Yeah. I love the way that you kind of explain that and the ideology of obviously having more leads and hitting it in many angles, not having your eggs in one basket and being patient, understanding that this is a process. And it's like, oh, I 
did this, did that instantly I got it. No, it's, it's, it's a question of time. It's a question of hitting it in every angles. And then one day you're going to wake up and you are going to be that person that has over 500 uh, positive reviews on Google. Like we were mentioning in the, in the top oh. of this podcast here. So Drew, it was such a pleasure having you on the show. The last thing I want to ask you, people are listening to you. They're vibing with you. They're potentially interested to know more about your services as a marketer and beyond. Where's the best place that they could connect with you and your team? Yep. So you could find me on my website, digitaldrewsem.com. And I'm also on social media as well. So you just Instagram, LinkedIn, all those platforms, you could just search Digital Drew SEM and I will be there. Awesome, Drew. It was such a pleasure having you on the show. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to say just, I wish you nothing but success within your business and the growth of everything that you're working on on that end. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Christopher. Christopher Devian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or intrapreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didia. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.